0: Coming up on Does America, great news for all you pregnant men out there. You'll have your own emoji soon. I go into that and more with Blaze TV's Hillary Kennedy. Uh, Rob Eno joins us to fill us in on the latest in the Biden administration's Ministry of Truth. Mm. And although the media doesn't show it, there are people in this world who want to live in a truly colorblind society. I'll talk to one of them in a moment, as we do an inconvenient minority. Stu does America. I think one of the great things about this country is that we aspire to great things. This country was formed and basically tried to turn every other nation on this planet upside down. They wanted to, we wanted to do things a little bit differently here. And one of the things that we have tried to do, uh, and have failed for a very long time, but have gotten better and better over time, is to judge people, you know by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. That was Martin Luther King's argument uh, during the civil rights period, which was to say, hey, I'm not criticizing the country as it was formed as an idea. What I'm criticizing is why aren't you living up to that idea? Something that I think I thought my entire life was the goal here. That's what I always believed. Lately, that seems to be turning around and turning upside down. I want to go to my first guest tonight. He's the president of Color Us United, a group advocating for a society in which we do judge each other on the character of, our, uh, of ourselves and not the color of our skin. It's a crazy concept. He's also the author of a brand-new book, Out This Week, An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian-American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Be sure to pick up a copy today. Kenny Hsu, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you for having me, Stu. Appreciate it. Uh, I want to start in, I think, a pretty logical place which is the title of your book um an inconvenient minority to me what that kind of says is it's inconvenient because Asian Americans blow up a narrative that is that is so central to sort of the the left's uh um, attack on this concept I just discussed judging people not on the color of their skin but on the content of their character uh is that kind of what what you meant by that
1: I think it is. It is. You know, the critical race theory narrative today and the race ideology that's coming on campuses and corporations says that colorblindness is not enough, uh, that we need to judge people on their race. And guess what? We have an admission system that has done just that for the past 30 years. That's Harvard University's admission system. They love to use race. They've done it for the past 30 years. And they've judged Asian-Americans as the worst uh, personalities uh, for their school. So they've discriminated against Um, Asian-Americans. Asian-Americans have been kept to a ceiling in their admissions uh, policy. And what Harvard's admissions policy reveals is this inconvenient truth that given equal opportunity, some groups and some people will just do better than other people academically. Asian Americans study twice as many hours as the average American. And so they deserve to, to go to places like Harvard. But instead, they're being kept out because of this attack on excellence in our country today.
0: Let's talk about what the foundation of that excellence is. Why is it that Asian Americans continually uh, achieve
1: uh, more than any other racial group? Because you have to look at the statistics, Asian Americans study twice as many hours as the average American. They have the highest rates of two-parent marriage, the lowest crime rates, the lowest drug rates, um, and then they have a relentless focus on education. You know, um, this this is a core American principle, right? You know, you can, you can, you can get to where you want, uh, and this is what Asian Americans often believe. You know, you can succeed in this country if you get a good education. Um, and, and so they parent their kids to, to value that. And that makes a big difference in the way that they grow up and the way that they achieve.
0: And this is shown across uh, uh, pretty much every category. Let me give you one here. This is from Mark Perry, The Economist. Um, we have this graph, uh, which my staff has uh, helpfully uh, titled Asian Dudes versus White Dudes. Uh, but what we see here is the earning uh, every week uh, of Asians versus uh, white Americans. And there's a 32% gap in between those two numbers. And it's grown over time. Uh, There is this narrative, and this is why I kind of started here. There's a narrative that any difference between races must mean it's unfair. We have no longer uh, tried to structure the, the society when it, as it comes to equal opportunity. It's equal outcomes. And the strain through critical race theory, through Ibram Kendi, through white fragility, through all of these, uh, these, these sort of uh, foundational texts of where we seem to be going these days says that these differences must be systemic. There must be something in our society, I guess, in this
1: example, that's favoring Asians over whites but this can't possibly be the case. Absolutely, it's it's not the case. Asian Americans don't achieve because of their race. You know, Part of what critical race theory asserts is that the structures in our society are created to benefit white men. Hmm. But how could the structures of our, of our society be created to benefit white men if they're letting a minority, Asian Americans, surpass them in things like SAT scores and things like household income how can the structures of uh, of our of our country truly truly reflect white supremacy you know the only way the left gets away with denying this is by calling asian americans white adjacent mm. they say we benefit from white supremacy even though we're not white I, that,
0: which is a remarkably racist sentiment. I, I yeah, it's very racist. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Um, you mentioned the uh, Harvard uh, situation. That's probably the, the most well-known because of the lawsuit. Uh, but this is really all over the place. It's all over the left. De Blasio in New York City uh, has, been, uh, has been jumping into this world as well. Can you give us some of the examples so people know how far this stretches?
1: Yeah, de Blasio is a, is a big offender. We all love him. <laughs> um, you know, he uh, so he there's these specialized gifted high schools in New York City, some of the best schools, you know, in the entire nation. And they train the next generation of scientists and doctors and engineers that can go out and help America compete against China in tech in the tech war, you know, uh, produce the next generation of doctors that can do these great things. And de Blasio said, hey, there's too many Asians. In these schools, Stuyvesant High School has 70% Asians, Bronx Science is like 60% Asians. And so he made a proposal to cut the number of Asians in these schools and admit more black, white, and Hispanic people. So actually, you know, when you start to attack excellence, when you start to attack meritocracy, you know, for the sake of diversity, you are cutting the best qualified and the most qualified kids in favor of admitting. Uh, less qualified kids. And that's what my book, An Inconvenient Minority, investigates.
0: Yeah. And it's, I think that's a huge problem. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to even make the devil's advocate point against it because I, I, I don't see it as anything other than racism. But their point would be, hey, look, this is a high achieving school. People that come out of this school are going to ha- you know, get a good job as a scientist or whatever high achieving, high earning sort of field. And we can't have these schools filled with 70 percent Asians. What do you say to that? Cuz again, that just sounds like nothing but racism. Why, why
1: not? Yeah. Right. Why why not? Why why can we have the NBA be 75% black? Why can we have, you know, the construction industry be 40% Hispanic? Why can't we have, you know, the school that I went to when I, when I went to when I lived in Virginia was 80% white, and that was totally fine with me. We all treated each other fine. So why can't we have a school be 70 percent Asian? That's that's an abnormally racist thing to say to people really
0: is. Isn't this the central sort of poison here in in, in these in these arguments that like, you know, only someone who thinks about skin color constantly would be bothered by this. I would have absolutely no problem. And I've been we I've lived in communities that were much higher minority percentage than the one uh, I grew up in. I chose to live in those communities because I wanted to live in those communities. I got along with the people in those communities. I didn't think I was never focused on skin color. And now we're told that that is supposed to be the thing that we're focusing on. I, I can't imagine what this is doing to kids who get spoon fed this stuff
1: without any critical thought going into it. Well, I'll tell you what it's doing to kids. Uh, When you're being spoon-fed from a young age that your race is what matters, that you need to fixate on race, that race is what defines you and everything like that, you grow up and you actually start believing that. Mm. And when you start believing that, you know, studies have shown you have higher rates of depression, you know, lower graduation rates. You're the kind of person who fixates, you know, on yourself as a victim. And, you know, Asian Americans um, are being fed this ideology now, too. We're we're being taught to deny our own merits. We're being taught to 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 feel guilty over the fact that we are successful and that we achieve. We're being taught to move aside, Asians, because you need to let in another minority come in. You're the wrong minority. You're the inconvenient minority. This is happening in college campuses and high schools across the country. I document this in my book, An Inconvenient Minority, and it's hurting our meritocracy.
0: Mm, it really is. I mean, it It's interesting because there's this idea, and I think you explained the the cultural uh, aspects of this uh, earlier on pretty well, that, look, hard work is just really valued among Asian Americans, um, and that allows them to achieve great things. Um, It's not that there aren't people all over the place of all racial groups, of course, that are hard workers as well, but the approach now seems to be, well, This might be true. Maybe Asian Americans do outwork everybody else. So what we need to do is explain that hard work is just a cultural tick of Asian people, and therefore we shouldn't be praising hard work. That's a problem now. We need to readjust our society to say, you know, we saw this with the Smithsonian is the example that pops Mm -hmm. into my head where they said, you know, look, hard work, being on time, being polite. This is all just white supremacy, white culture. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're you're shooting for hard work, that you're shooting for being polite, that you're shooting for being on time is a is an is a is an element of structural racism.
1: How do you answer that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that just isn't it just the worst? Mm. Let me tell you how they get to that conclusion Okay, so they say this country is governed by white supremacy, but then Asians do better than whites. Well, how do they explain that? Well now they're like well Asians aren't white, but they are white uh, Because mm. they adopt white values and then you're like well, what are the white values? And then they're like the white values are hard work or this belief in merit or this belief in individualism. Those are white values and those are white supremacist values. That's how you get to this thing. And it's and it's the worst thing that you could tell a minority. A young black kid, you tell them, hey, hard work and meritocracy and individualism are white values. They're reserved for white people. They're not for you. That is, to, to me, a sickening utterly sickening thought to teach to people because the truth is anybody can work hard. Anybody can study. Anybody can go to a library, pick up a book and read two hours a day. Anybody can spend a ton of time writing a book and you can do it no matter what race you are in this country today. And I think that that's what I'm trying to protect.
0: Mm. Um, Let me ask you about this. One of the things we've had over the past few months has been this movement to highlight um, AAPI hate. Asian-American Pacific Islander hate. And this has been something that's, of course, been one of the big uh, social media trends over the past few years. It strikes me as really strange that at the same time, the left is trying to uh, put up their hashtags about hatred towards Asian-Americans. They are outwardly discriminating against Asian-Americans all
1: over the country. This has to be entirely frustrating. Uh, It is frustrating because the... I detest anti-Asian attacks. I, I detest attacks against any group. Um, but at the same time that they're trying to position Asians as a victim group, you know, they're, so that they could, you know, vote for people who um, can, can, I guess, give them some kind of reparations of some kind, you know, they are also... At simultaneously discriminating against Asians, which shows that even if Asians were considered a victim group, they would be considered a subordinate victim group in the left's racial dichotomy. It would have to be black people first, then Latino people, then maybe white people, and then maybe Asians. Mm,
0: that's such a strange world. I, I know I'm, I'm an individualist uh, in many, many ways. And I I, I, I long for a time where we don't know even what the racial stats are because we don't think about things that way and people don't just know that stuff. I know you have an organization that's working to try to get us to uh, the poster behind you, a race blind society. What can we do? How can people help?
1: Well, Color United, colorusunited.org. I'm the president. Of Colorist United, and we are fighting back against the institutions that are trying to poison our discourse with a fixation on race. You know, only 29% of Americans even think that their race is important to them, or very important. Yet, 85% of Americans believe this country is racially divided. That is because of our leaders. That is because they are trying to poison us. And I get it. You know, if you want to go on to our website, and you want to sign our petition, you want to uh, sign up so that we could be your voice. We want to do that for you because um, I, know, I understand the risks that you take, you know, putting yourself out there in front of your employer who's trying to do diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Or I know what the risk that you're taking when you put yourself out on there on social media. So let us be your voice because we know how to st- strategically combat these institutions. We're doing it right now. We're targeting the Salvation Army right now for, for them trying to get their members to repent for racism. And, uh, and so we want you to sign up and so that we could be your voice.
0: It's incredibly important work. Kenny Hsu, president of Color Us United and author of the brand new book, You Need to Have An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. I'll make sure to tweet out a link at *Studios America uh, so you can get your copy as well. Kenny, thanks so much for taking the time and writing the book.
1: Thank you so much, Stu, I appreciate it.
0: Always a delight to welcome back to the studio, Blaze TV's Hillary Kennedy, host of the Four Minute Buzz during our morning radio broadcast, of course, and this week uh, hosting uh, News and Why It Matters for Sarah.
2: Yes, it's been so much fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, what's it like? Is it, I mean, because it's,
0: it's different than what you do on a on the everyday basis here.
2: It is. I do you like it? I love it. I got to fill in for her when she was on maternity leave, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. It was kind of a trial by fire because it was during the election. Oh, I was like, oh, she right. picked the perfect time to mm-hmm. have a baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I love it because every guest on the show is an expert in something. And so I feel like I learn a ton from hearing their takes on what's going on in the news and uh, what they do for a living. So it's, it's been fantastic.
0: Because yeah, you had uh, what, 10 guests on over five days. Yes. Was I the best one? Um,
2: I mean, are you willing to? Pay me under the t- <laughs> best yeah. guest ever. Yeah, no, you you're always so much fun, and you and Pat especially always add so much humor to the show. So I look forward to the days that you're on.
0: That one is really fun. Uh, is, yeah. We do that every week, pretty much on Thursdays usually. Uh, so check out the shows uh, that Hillary hosted this week. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, let me get into some of the uh, some news stories that we did not talk about um, when we were on News and Why yesterday. Yes.
2: So in my former life, I covered a lot of pop culture and entertainment news, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's really what's missing from the News and Why is stories about you know cosby or britney spears yeah
0: (laughs) let's start with cosby because the cosby thing is interesting to me in that um i if gun to my head i think he's totally guilty of all these terrible things right uh however i think the way the legal process went was unfair to him in that uh they basically guaranteed him he would not be prosecuted for these crimes and then later on we're just like ah well we really don't like you anymore so we're going to prosecute you What what was your view of that going through, and and what's the update of? I mean, because he's trying to seemingly get back into into entertainment somehow.
2: Yeah, he really is. I, with Bill Cosby, I wanted so badly to believe that it wasn't true because I I loved The Cosby Show. I, I mean, I just always thought that he was one of the best comedians. Um, But in the same way with Jared from Subway, I also gave him the benefit (laughs) of the doubt.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Those are not in the same. When that story
2: came out, I thought. There's no way that story about Jared from Subway is true, turned out to be true. Same thing with Bill Cosby, I was mm-hmm. very disappointed. I, I do think like what you said, I think that he did do these things. He he admitted to a degree that yes, I did do these things. But you're right, I, with the legal process, and I mean, you gotta follow the letter of the law. And so I understand why he was released from prison. I do think maybe a little too soon to go back on the comedy circuit, but that's what he's wanting to do. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so is that really what he's, he's going to try to do, a, a tour? I mean, is anyone going to go to this? Well,
2: apparently all of the clubs and the club promoters that he's talked to are super excited about it. They believe people are going to pay a lot of money to see him again and hear his story mm. because he's going to do his, I think, kind of regular comedy shtick that he does, but he also is going to talk about the people and the stories from uh, people he was with in prison, uh, his... Prosecution. I mean, he's going to go through all that stuff from from what he's saying. So he's also filming a docu series. It's supposed to be a five part docu series about mm. his life, his time in prison, and where he goes from here. Yeah, you don't, so, I'm don't not
0: paying to see Bill Cosby. Same. But I would I press play on a YouTube series about his story. I probably would.
2: Yeah. Right. I, I don't know where they're going to put it. It's, they've already started doing interviews with his family and his friends and people he's worked with. So this is going to be very interesting to see. But I with you, would I pay money to see him in person? Not anymore.
0: Yeah, I really don't want to. I, I don't want him to have cash. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated with the fact that you put Bill Cosby, who's a legendary comedian, in the same category as Jared from Subway. Like, why were you? Why were you? You know nothing about the character of Jared from Subway. Why were you confused? I'm. I'm...
2: Well, Jared from Subway, like, he was on all the Subway commercials, remember? He right. pulled out the pants and the whole...
0: Yeah, but, like, we don't know anything about the guy. He's just selling you sandwiches.
2: Well, he I'm was so... touring. He was going around the country and speaking to children at schools about eating healthy and mm-hmm. exercising, and he was trying to be a good role model, and then we found out he was, he was trying a to get kids in person. Sh- he was
0: trying to get kids in shape, which yeah. is terrible. Yeah, he was there it to terrible? pick the children up, not <laughs> teach not... them
2: about obesity. Yeah.
0: Okay, that got a little ugly. It got a little dark. Uh, that's We don't bring... We, The show is dark enough without you. You're supposed to brighten it. And look what you've done. Okay. Um, Let's go over to uh, the... I mean, you're talking about pop culture. There's nothing more connected to pop culture now than our phones. Um, The the world of emojis is not one I dive into often. Uh, I don't want to send anyone an emoji, uh, probably in my entire life. Most of these things I try to just never log into.
2: Is that mainly a female thing with the emojis? Do men not send emojis as much as women do? It's a good
0: question. I I I think the answer to that is yes. Certainly, okay. as far as frequency goes, I think guys send a lot, a lot many fewer uh, emojis. But I mean, I think guys probably use them, right? I don't know. If, are they going to use this new one, though?
2: I- now you have even more reason to use emojis, too, hmm. because they've come out with some really great ones for 2022. Okay, a- now, these aren't set in stone yet, but they're the proposed new emojis that they're going to add. So mm-hmm. we have the pregnant man. So they don't want to leave transgender men out of the pregnancy conversation. So they're going to have a pregnant man. Mm. They're going to have a, a non-binary person wearing a crown in many different races. Uh, they're going to have multiracial handshake emojis. Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: have so many questions. I I'm sorting them down.
2: Kidney beans. uh Wait. Coral. Uh, a low <laughs> battery. There are some that I just I don't understand the need for those. Water being spilled. But, yeah, the pregnant man and the non-binary person wearing the crown are kind of the two new additions for 2022 that people feel like need to be included.
0: Now, many people have confused me for a pregnant man, but I'm actually just overweight. (laughs) Well, Uh, if you've
2: seen, if you look at the emoji, it really does look like most men post lockdown. It does not look like a pregnant man. It just looks like a man who drank too much beer during lockdown. Right.
0: Which is common. That's that's, because that's a strange one in that like it's not a pregnant man. Right. In theory, then just follow me on this it's act- wait it isn't wait so it's a tr- it's a woman. biological woman gets pregnant but is sa- saying that they're a man
2: transition to a man Correct. Got it. okay, so it is yes.
0: technically a pregnant oh. man in well right. i mean in, technically it's not a pregnant man, but in this
2: they're trying to say yes
0: in this world like i feel like we, when you talk about this stuff, you have to talk about like. Uh, you know, like in the Star Wars universe, Yoda is, like, this is like in this universe where we all act as if things that are true are not true, that's what this means.
2: Right. Okay, because I had the
0: same questions about the... Demisexual with a crown, is that does that mean something? Is it related to crown wearing? I don't understand.
2: Honestly, most of the emojis, I couldn't tell if they were <laughs> men or women to begin with, so I didn't right. really see the need for having mm. this. But my big beef with the, I mean, my anger towards the people that developed these emojis started a long time ago because they had every hair color except the redheads until like two years ago. We are a very mis- underrepresented group. Wow! So, yeah, so we do finally have some redhead emojis, but it took them long enough. So
0: you are a victim of this I know. society. I, this I, I felt dark triggered. hair and blonde. Uh, patriarchy. It's true. That's keeping you down, Hillary. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> very uh, strange. I, I, I feel like, uh, and there were kidney beans. Why would you want kidney beans? There
2: were some on there that I couldn't figure out what, okay. what the, the need was. And again, all of these big tech companies weigh in on what's missing. So Google mm-hmm. and uh, Facebook, all of these companies kind of weigh in and say like, this is what we feel like should be part of the emoji pool. Uh, and then they kind of narrow them down and vote on them. So the ones that I've mentioned are what's slated for 2020. But that might change. But mm. I have a feeling the pregnant man oh, yeah, uh, and the non-binary person with a crown will will definitely be in that pool. Okay. Uh, because they did add the transgender flag this past year, so they've been moving towards pregnant man for a while now. But like
0: it's interesting because the the reason you use an emoji in theory, right, is to just basically not have to type it, right? Like like. Right? Like, if you want to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to slap you five, you could just type, I want to slap you five. Right. But, like, instead, there's a hand up, and it looks like it's hitting a five. Yep. So, like, why, like I, we don't need every single thing explained by an emoji, Correct. Uh, yet here we are.
2: Well, what was interesting when I was reading about this is they said almost 60% of people around the world that use emojis said that they feel like they're able to convey their emotions through emojis much better than having an actual conversation with someone on the phone That's which i thought was bizarre and 89 percent of people said that they feel like they're able to communicate much better using emojis than their native language which i thought was bizarre too because i'm like well we're kind of going back to hieroglyphics at this point aren't we and <laughs> we are <We're> just using <laughs> pictures maybe we should have never so, left i don't know yeah <laughs> well
0: because it's interesting in that like basically like let's say you're just a crappy writer right you you're not someone who knows he's not does not have a way with words Okay, you can throw up the vomiting emoji, and I guess that tells the story a little bit. Right. But, like, it's like the thing, I don't know if you use, you know, Gmail, but, like, Gmail at least has done this, where they they have this feature that when you start typing a sentence, it gives you options to finish it, right? Like, it basically knows what you're saying halfway through, and it's like, all right, are you trying to set up this meeting? And, like, it it sounds like a bad idea in a way in that, like, essentially Google's writing the email for you and not you. On the other hand, all I have to do is click that one button and it's done. And so like I wind up saying things to people It's not even in the language that I would use, right? right? Like, I'm using their language, but it's faster and easier, and I'm lazy.
2: Completed your thought. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing, too, that I want to warn you about with letting it sort of lead you in those ways Mm -hmm. and using these emojis, there are now attorneys that focus solely on cases where someone feels like they have been harmed in some way by emojis that have been sent to them. (laughs) So they have attorneys (laughs) to work solely on emoji cases to figure out if some sort of slander or harm or assault has been done to someone through you're an emoji. This no totally true
0: are they winning these cases
2: isn't that bizarre uh, i wish i could give you any specific cases mm-hmm. but i cannot okay um but yeah i mean they've come up with this because people are trying to decode what was the actual intent behind what was sent through this emoji because so many people were sending emojis that could be interpreted as sexual harassment right or, right so yeah now okay. they have a whole <laughs> a whole area of law practice for emoji decoding
0: lawyers are good at this stuff mm-hmm. okay one more before we leave okay Indiana Jones 5.
2: Has anyone been begging for this? Because every article I've been Mm. reading, they're like, fans clamoring for Indiana Jones 5. After the Crystal Skull, I feel like there was virtually (laughs) no one begging for another Indiana Jones. But what is fascinating to me about this, Harrison Ford is almost 80 years old. So we've got an octogenarian playing Indiana Jones. Also, the leading lady, his love interest, I'm assuming, for this installment I believe she's 35. Now, can we not get Indiana Jones an age-appropriate date? (laughs) No. A woman in her 50s, 60s even. (laughs) Um, But this should be interesting. They've been filming over in Scotland, and Antonio Banderas, who's also in his 60s, he's signed on to be in the film, which is cool. Um, but Harrison Ford actually injured his shoulder while they were filming. So they're using his body double to film some things right now. But that's, I guess, I'm shocked. What uh, comes uh, with wh- having an 80 year old
0: doing an action movie? You're going to have some injuries. <laughs> so a couple things about uh, about this. Number one, fast fact for you. Um, there's only one person in America who likes Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And that person is Jeff Fisher. Really? Jeffy, for he, so, he actually likes this movie. We've had fi- we've almost gotten to physical fights about it because I it's the one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. The worst, life. yes. He thinks it's good. So next time you're on with him, you got to make sure. I you will bring give him a hard up. time. Uh, and then the second one is uh, like part of because that movie was so bad. I don't want to remember that series because of that. And I I almost don't mind another one because maybe uh, we, there's nothing to lose. They've ruined the series. Maybe there's a chance to come back. Like the, r- people say this, I don't say this because I love Rocky, but Rocky Five was uh, known as the worst one, and so they kind of came back afterward and made Rocky Balboa, which was the sixth one, and people say it kind of it. Brought the series back. Then they had the Creed movies right. afterward. Maybe they can save it.
2: Maybe I hope so. I. I'm confused, too, because I'm trying to remember what time period this is supposed to take place in. It's supposed to be in the 30s. Yeah.
0: So he's, like, like in the 1980s now.
2: (laughs) Well, I know. I'm like, are they going to CGI Harrison Ford's face? Are they going to have someone like Shia LaBeouf come and play the younger version of it? How are they going to do it? That's what I want to know, because you can't hide his age at this point. Right. But I am hoping they redeem themselves, because Crystal Skull was painful. Other than I did feel like Shia LaBeouf did a, a very nice job in that movie, I guess. But Yeah. The, it was remember. just a horrible story. He dodged yeah. a nuclear
0: weapon in a refrigerator. I mean, no one's ever, gonna <laughs> no one's ever going to forgive that. No one's ever going to forgive that. I will say, uh, he's now, it's been so long since the beginning of those movies, the movies that originally took place in the 1930s, it's almost like the 1980s now. At some point, Indiana Jones may walk through like a, a city and see that his movie is about to be released, <laughs> the original one. That would be a good Fresh ending. Time. That's yes, what they exactly. should do. All right, Hillary Kennedy, uh, be sure to catch her on the 4-Minute Buzz, of course, uh, part of our daily radio broadcast. Where can people find you on social media? What's the best place?
2: Um, I'm on Instagram the most, and my handle is at Hillary Kennedy. That's Hillary with one L, mm-hmm. H-I-L-A-R-Y, mm-hmm. not two L's, uh, Kennedy, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y. So. so
0: Whoever has the Hillary Kennedy with two L's has got like a million followers of people who think they're following <laughs> Probably, you. Probably, yeah. Like, well, this person's weird when she's not on the 4-Minute Buzz. All right, Hillary, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. When running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them lately. Uh, About 70 grand a year. So if you're paying 70 grand a year, uh, you might want to think about Bambi. uh, B-A-M-B-E-E. They were uh, crafted specifically for small businesses. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat anytime. And the thing that's amazing about this is like, you think of it, okay, well, if I'm going with Bambi, am I going to get the sort of personalized service? Are they going to have any idea what my business even does? Yeah, it's the same person. Like, you actually have a dedicated person for you. We're talking about $99 a month. Um, I'm not a mathematician here, but we do a lot of graphs on this program. $99 is a little one, a little bar graph, and then the $70,000 is a lot higher. You're going to be saving a lot of money. Month to month, no hidden fees. Cancel anytime. Go to Bambi.com slash Stu right now. Schedule your free HR audit. It's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Stu. Don't forget the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Bambi.com slash stew. We've we'll got a uh, comment in from Derek. He says, uh, Stu, great explanation. Of the democrats biden administration's new child tax credit scary yes it is very scary uh, go back and watch yesterday's show uh, you can always comment uh, as we're doing the show on youtube and we use a lot of these uh, on the program so make sure you uh, do that if you get a second uh, also a review five stars is the appropriate number of stars wherever you get your podcast you can leave us a review we really appreciate it uh, most spot-on aoc impersonation out there Love this stupid little show. Seriously, I've heard two to three AOC wannabes, but Stu's is without a doubt the closest to the real McCoy. Like five stars, whatever, five out of five stars. Well, we really appreciate that. Uh, i really, I'm, I'm known for my impersonations, particularly of AOC, uh, so you can check that out. By the way, uh, before we uh, head out of here tonight, couple things. Uh, first, really good news. Really, really good news. It appears by all, uh, by all information that we have at this time, the new Space Jam sucks. I feel incredibly happy about that. Why? Because LeBron James is the one in it. And LeBron James is terrible. We have a cup that says, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. We have a t-shirt that says, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. You can, I think there's a sticker probably. I don't know what else is out there. But you can go to don'tbealebron.com if you want to get that stuff. He's um, He's terrible. He's uh, this for some reason, there's this conversation about what is he the best player that's ever played? Well, no, he's not even close. I mean, he's not even uh, is he in the top 10? I don't know. I don't think so. Is he even a top 10 Laker? That's questionable. Um, He's probably a top 10 Cav, uh, though. That that's that's almost definite. (laughs) That one is almost definite. Um, But I will say uh, that the fact that here's this guy who's constantly trying to say he's the greatest in the world. I don't know if anyone else is saying it, but he's saying it about himself all the time. And here he is, he's going to not only flop and have a much lesser career than Michael Jordan, but also make a much worse Space Jam movie. That should make you happy today. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. Data breaches at an all-time high as hackers become more advanced in their cybersecurity attacks. Uh, email poses the highest risk for identity theft. Because, I don't know, I mean, if you know, if, you, if you've ever clicked on a link that you know you shouldn't have, uh, you know all about the problems that can come uh, through your email with uh, hacking and uh, phishing and all of this stuff. That's why I use Start Mail keeps your email private, period. When you delete an email in Start Mail, it's gone. Forever. Startmail is backed by the world's most robust privacy laws. And you know, look, they don't have servers like by, from Amazon. Uh, they can't be put out of business uh, like some other places can be. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Are you, are you sending emails that you want to make sure are secure? You need Startmail. Go to Start Mail now. You get 50% off your first year. 50% off your first year. StartMail.com slash Stu. S-T-A-R-T Mail.com slash Stu. 50% off your first year. Go there now. StartMail.com slash Stu. Let's bring in Rob Eno, media critic for Blaze TV. Uh, Rob, let's get right into Jen I, I don't understand what the White House is doing they are trying to seemingly control all information on the internet at this point.
3: Right. right. They basically the, the biggest story of this week is that the Biden White House basically admitted that they have started the Ministry of Truth. It's <laughs> just not and, like, a good idea. And like nobody is upset about it. Like like my, my left wing friends are like, well, you shouldn't spread misinformation. I'm like no no no. The government is telling a publisher which stories should be censored. And and today we have an update, right? So mm-hmm. Peter Ducey of Fox um, got into the the White House briefing room today and asked for clarification on her bombshell yesterday. And she's like, "Well, you know, it's not like we're we're censoring individual people's posts. We're not spying on them, mm-hmm. but you know, we're we're just trying to to stop misinformation like that that they cause infertility. It says here like that. That's mm-hmm. one the misinformation. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then she said that." Um, then she said, but you know what? If if there is somebody that is spreading misinformation, there should be a mechanism in place that immediately when one of the social media companies bans them, all of the social
0: media companies should ban them right away. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, yeah, that, that,
3: that was her making everybody feel better.
0: Right, so it's not unfair. You could you could just lose all your accounts at the same time. <laughs>
3: it's absolutely and, and, and they say it's for misinformation, right? But yeah. who gets to say what's the misinformation? Is it the fact checkers? If I remember correctly, the fact checkers, especially the one at PolitiFact, laughed at anybody. Like, like literally said it was ridiculous to say that the coronavirus may have come from a lab mm-hmm. in Wuhan. The word used in the, in the piece was ridiculous. And they had to do a massive correction on that.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's like, I was trying to think of, you know, I... Our job, a lot of times, is to try to think of it from their perspective. Do they have any point at all? How, how do we how do we understand it? And I think I thought to myself, like, if someone was on uh, saying to kids, the only way to be healthy is to be anorexic, right? Like, like encouraging a, a, a viscerally unhealthy behavior of some sort, saying that, hey, if you uh, drink bleach uh, for uh, for coronavirus. Like, you could understand that they would want to shield people from certain types of things, but they don't go in that direction, right? They go to this place where, like, okay, there's, there's some disagreement or people are worried about something that, as you pointed out, infertility. There's no evidence of that. But, like, you know, people might be worried about it. Th- that should go out. There should be a conversation about that and let the best information win in the end.
3: Right. Like, Twitter this week had a, had a you know, little what's trending now boxes on Twitter. Right. Um, one of them was... Um, journalists and experts say that there was not widespread voter fraud. Journalists and experts, right, right. Okay, it's like, I'm suppo- that, that's <laughs> supposed to make me believe it, that it right. was journalists and experts. And you remember gas prices, right? Gas mm-hmm. prices. I've been tracking gas prices um, because everybody on the left and in the media, I mean, there were fact checks that said, well, gas hasn't really gone up under Biden because two years ago it was about the same price. Well, that was true for about three weeks, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right, right. It was right. Yeah. But now, I, I just looked at Gas Buddy before I came on. Gas mm. prices are $3.16.5 average across the nation for a price of regular. That is 10% higher than it was in 2018 and 14%, just about 10, 13.8% higher than it was in 2019. Those numbers were correct for a short period of time but because there's fact checks out there that don't get updated mm-hmm. people are still saying it
0: right it's, it's it's just uh, that's a, that's fascinating it, it is at some level somewhat difficult to navigate this world i do think you know like where i my kind of opinion is it's just not their job. I think there's a moment there's a there's part of, of Mark Zuckerberg's brain that believes this. I, I really do yeah. think so. Where he thinks, I just don't want to deal with this at all. Just I, I won't I won't say anything. But now the left has come in and said, well, you no, know, you have to say something. You right. have to take a position, even if there is disagreement or there yeah. is and there are risks to certain activities. They can't. They can't bring themselves to just let that information stay out there. And that, it, it, I don't think it helps them at all. And it's on
3: everything. It's not just coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I mean, is the next thing Jim Psaki going to say, well, we're flagging people that have um, called into question the Maricopa County ballots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like like that's something that, that the federal government should be doing. Right. I mean, is it going to be, you know. We're gonna call into question whether or not you think football's better than baseball. I mean, right. where does it end? <laughs> yeah. And that's what the scary part is. People are like, well, you know, it's about coronavirus and it's about saving lives. You know, every dictatorship that I've ever seen has been it's about saving lives. It's of like course. it's in Star Wars, right? Episode two. The mm-hmm. whichever one that one. Attack, Attack of, the of the clones. clones yeah, yeah, right when, you know, Anakin and Padme have their romp on Naboo, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like she asks him a question, yeah. and he like stops dead cold and said, "They should be made to listen."
0: Yeah, I mean that's
3: what these people are doing.
0: And there's a good sixty-five minute movie inside of Attack of the Clones. Well, there they was. just added another forty minutes of terrible, uh, so people think it's actually about about an hour. Of that movie is pretty good if you made an edit. We, we need more Padme fireplace scene. But yeah, that's well, what we need, of yeah. course, that's true. <laughs> um, let me go to because uh, I, I almost get the sense that the Biden administration is doing everything they can to make sure no conservative ever gets a vaccine. <laughs> like, they, they seem to be intentionally making people turn away from this stuff. What are they doing? I, I, I don't
3: understand it. I, I just, I, it flabbergasts me. And then they, they throw out like the little itty-bitty ones every now and then mm-hmm. that kind of go away. Like like when they stop the vaccine completely Yeah. for like a very small percentage of people. Mm. But now if you say... That that was a problem. You'd probably get you'd you probably know, get banned banned on Facebook. Even though right? they stopped, the, they're with, the ones that said with, it. Yeah, and, and there's the one with the um, with the enlarged hearts. Yeah, with my, younger my people. Does. Like the military mm-hmm. saw it happen. You probably get banned if you like yeah. go and and <laughs> they ban things that that the CDC says.
0: Yeah. It's bizarre.
3: But they I don't get it. And, they, and, but they are. They're trying to stop anybody from
0: wanting to get it. And they can talk about Facebook all they want. They can talk about Twitter and all these social media. They can talk about evil right-wing misinformation machines. The thing that's... that's look at the charts. The second they took that Johnson & Johnson vaccine off the market for two two weeks, they've gone down ever since, consistently, ever since that day. They were skyrocketing at the time. Mm-hmm. Since that day, it's turned it around. They are their own enemies. They absolutely are. And And, and now...
3: You know, they want to force people to get it. Mm -hmm. Like, so we're going to stop you from saying that anything else is like this. And we think we should be able to force you to get it because you have no control over your body. Your body is not your choice. No, not this time. If it's about a vaccine. It's only your choice (laughs) when there's another body involved Mm. that might die. Uh,
0: It's so frustrating. Uh, Robino, where can people find you on social media? Uh, At Robino. At Robino. On on the Twitters. Uh, Are you everywhere? All over the place? I'm all over the place. Yeah, okay. okay. Go there. Make sure you check out Robino. We're back in a second. All right, built Bars. I will tell you the, the back story of built Bars is my wife absolutely loves them. And she uh, started eating them like crazy. She eats, there's a shelf in my fridge all the time with all the different uh, Bilt Bars. They, they get the coconut, you've got uh, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, uh, all the new flavors, the crazy ones that they have, they, they're always turning out more. And she uh, wound up talking to Tanya, Tanya Beck, uh, and said, hey, you gotta try these things. She started trying them. Eventually, she talked Glenn into trying them. Now they're all over the place here. We've got Bill Parrs at the studio all the time, and it's the protein bar. It's like the innovation of the protein bar. You know, back in the day, they taste a little bit like sawdust. Uh, they've come a long, long way, and Bill Parrs is the one making these innovations uh, all the time. They have 17 grams of protein, about 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of uh, net carbs. Can't beat that. Go to built.com. Use the promo code Stu15. You'll save 15% off your first order. Uh, the promo code is Stu15 for 15% off at built.com. Go check these things out. Built.com. The fart back fits discreetly under clothing. No one will even know it's there. <laughs> I mean... No one's a bigger fan of capitalism than I am. Occasionally. I mean, who is going to wear a fart vac under their clothes? I mean, uh, how often are you farting to justify actually suiting up in this thing? But this is a real product, you can get it. Uh, I don't know, just search, search for Fart uh, if, if you're one of the, if you're Jeffy and you're watching the show tonight and you need this thing. Uh, You can get it online. We can only assume that AOC is working on her own patented fart vacuum for cows because, you know, all that methane and Green New Deal and (sighs) AOC, get started. Uh, Fart vacuum. At least you'd be contributing something to society.